So let me see here, find a final page number. But anyway, thanks for joining us this morning. Uh, my name's Rich. I'm one of the pastors around this joint. Um, just thought I'd start by uh, oh, a few kind of announcements, adjustments, things like that. I know for the uh, coffee house, if you are interested in the coffee house, this uh, is it this Friday? Is that what he said? Uh, talk, you know, he said talk to Kayla. Kayla's actually up at the Rock Retreat this weekend, so you might drop her an email if you're interested in playing. Just Kayla at DenverFireHouse.com if you want to sign up for something there. Also, the Harvest Party. What do you do at a Harvest Party? Jeff kind of left a little mystery to that. Um, there'll be uh, there'll be food at that. There'll be fun. There'll be fall type stuff, but the one thing a harvest party is a little different is that you do not have to wear a costume. So you can if you so desire, but there will not be that burden placed on you to go and shop. I always feel so much pressure to figure out what do I do? And then I'm running through every Goodwill and Ark store in the neighborhood trying to find a costume and it takes a little more time and money by the time the dust settles. So this harvest party idea, you don't have to wear a costume. If you want to, feel free to be a couple weeks early, but that's alright. Um, you know, I sent out an email this week in, a, in our siren, kind of our weekly update. If you're not on that list, make sure you fill out one of these communication cards. We'll, we'll get to you uh, just on the weekly updates. But the word I used to describe this week was um, one word, crazy busy. And um, I do think we decided that was not one word after all, but that's how I felt. We had a lot of things going on this week. Um, I know we did, uh, some of you got to catch the evangelism training time. Uh, we had a campus dinner. We hosted that at our house. We had about a dozen people there, and it's kind of gaining momentum. It's been exciting. Uh, we also had, well, it was Friday night, we hosted a prayer meeting at our house. And just to encourage you, we, we prayed that the next time we meet uh, for prayer, that it would double in size. And so we had some at the Rock Retreat and some in different places. But next month, we're going to try to double our, our church-wide prayer meetings. There was also the Rock Retreat going on. Like I mentioned, we have, you know, we have a dozen students up in Estes Park doing the Rock Retreat here. And I don't know if you heard, the game plan for this year at the Rock Retreat was um, they had a mystery speaker. And so uh, I emailed up there and go, really? It's a mystery speaker? What's the deal with that? And it turns out that the original speaker they had, um, it, it fell through. So the mystery speaker was the concept that was taken on until they figured it out, um, which they ended up figuring out. They have, uh, normally it's one guy teaches, you know, four times the weekend. He does the Friday night, Saturday, Sunday. And they decided to hash it out to four different guys uh, to help out with that. I became one of the mystery speakers. And so I was up there yesterday, and that was fun, but it added to, to crazy busy. Another thing, uh, maybe a big milestone this past week, maybe a monumental milestone, maybe even a miracle this past week, something happened. Um, some of you might have heard about that. I could hear a pin drop. Um, several of your pastors joined Facebook. Yeah, say it is not so. It is true. Several, three out of four pastors joined Facebook this week. It was a monumental time. Um, I have to read some comments see that I got on my Facebook uh, wall. I think you call it. I'm not exactly sure. Back in my days, when you wrote on the wall, you actually wrote on the wall. It's called graffiti, stuff like that. But Facebook's got a whole other world here. Um, funny thing was, three out of four of us joined us this week. The one, guess who the one who was already signed up? Tim Cavanaugh. I tell you, man, it's like wow. So, um, but anyways, here are a few of my comments. Um, let's see. Well, we had a few. One is like, whoa, welcome. Uh, another. 
Another was uh, welcome to FB exclamation point several times. Uh, gotta say it's about time. Another one was OMG finally about time. Another one was uh, like Tom Brown said this. Hey hey, glad you guys decided to start using the internet. All right. Uh, that's cool. Thanks, Tom. Um, another one said, today is a good day, is one of Morgan's sisters. Um, this one guy was giving me a hard time about a, a year ago, maybe longer. You know, he was just promoting the use of Facebook and how you can use that in ministry and things like that. And he, I was joking with him before his teaching. I knew what he was talking about. I was like, I'm not on Facebook yet, Paul. And so in the middle of this teaching for all these campus staff workers, he, he called me out. I was like, Rich, you got to get on Facebook. And I was like, ah. I told him if I ever did, I would friend him early on. And I friended him, and he friended me back. He accepted it. It was very cool. Um, he said, uh, what did he say here? Something like, oh, yeah, you've entered a wonderful world of relationships and time wasters. Uh, don't play Farmville. So, uh, anyways, uh, and then another guy, my brother-in-law, commented, said, don't play anything on Facebook and ignore all apps. Uh, consider dropping friends who send you app game requests. So, I have to keep that in mind. I got another one from Josh Whitney. It was a good one. He said, Hi, Rich. Welcome to Facebook. I'm praying for you. This classic Josh. And I was like, Josh is a stud. Um, later on, uh, since I hadn't posted anything on Facebook in a while, i got to figure out how to do that. We're yet to break the ice that way. Uh, Josh texted me and said, um, So why did you get on Facebook? Um, and then eventually we were texting, and it took so long he called me. And he was like, So why did you get on Facebook? And you guys know the reason why we finally got on Facebook, right? John Meyer made us. I think that's what it came down to. We had an overnighter with him. We were talking about doing a book study and going on this journey together of where God wants to take the church. And John's like, we'll read these books. We'll post a few thoughts, uh, you know, on a blog somewhere. Well, just, let's just post it. Let's make a Facebook group. And he's like, you guys all have Facebook, right? And me and Jeff and Brad and I are all like, no. You know, so we, we created that. So you can thank John Meyer for uh, the step forward, a uh, small step for mankind, big step for me, Jeff, and Brad. So, But anyways, so you can friend us on there if you want to. Yeah, we may or may not accept you. You know, we're kind of trying to keep a tight circle here. So, no, just joking. Uh, but anyways, I'm going to go ahead and pray. That's just some of the, the crazy busy going on. But I do think we have some, uh, some good stuff here to wrap up a series that we started called uh, What Makes the Good News So Good. So we're going to pray and ask God to, to help bring this uh, to a finale here. So, okay, so let's just pray one last time here. Ah, Lord Jesus, we, uh, we do just thank you for this morning. We thank you for this day. God, it's just been a, a glorious weekend. Thank you for blessing uh, the weather all around us, up in Estes Park. God, we pray that um, this morning you would also give a little grace to the Broncos to win their game. Um, but Lord, I do pray more than that that you would meet us here this morning. Redeem our few minutes we're going to have together. Help us to hear from you. Help us to hear from you on the subject of purpose. Um, God, I pray that some of the thoughts we have might be challenged, might be adjusted, might be corrected, or might be strengthened. And you know what each one of us needs. We look to you, we look to your word, through your spirit, um, and we ask for all this just by your gracious help. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so um, we have been, just maybe a quick recap on our series we're in here, What Makes the Good News So Good? Um, I used my slide here from the last time I taught on this subject was new life. So the first one was, uh, the first subject was forgiveness. We talked about one facet of the good news. The good news is multifaceted. One facet is, 
the message of forgiveness, forgiveness of all our sins, past, present, future, offered to us as a free gift. The grace of God through Jesus Christ. That's, that is good news. The next thing we talk about is how it, it doesn't just stop there with forgiveness, but God, he, uh, he gives us a new life. He makes us a new creation and helps us to live a new life that is for Him, for His glory. Um, then after that, Tim talked about freedom. That one of the, the words that could best encapsulate the good news is freedom what we've been freed from, what we are free for. Um, and he, he talked on that. Last week, John Meyer talked about family. The good news, um, it connects us with our ultimate family. God is our Father. A family that's eternal. A family that has uh, brothers and sisters now and will be together for eternity. Um, it was a great message there. This week we're going to talk about the good news and how, how it can give us purpose. And I wanted to start just with a few, um, maybe just a few quotes on purpose. Um, these are, uh, some of you might have written, the, the, written, read, The Purpose Driven Life. Um, it was like a top seller there. I think it's still a top seller. It's just interesting to see how our culture um, is looking for purpose. Even if it's a Christian pastor guy that puts out a book on it, it, it's off, it was off the charts. I think it's still off the charts in, um, in people buying that, reading that. Um, but here's a few quotes that, that he uses in his book. One is, um, one is this, The man without a purpose is like a ship without a rudder, uh, a waif, a nothing, a no man. Thomas Carlyle. Another quote is uh, this one. Surely God would not have created such a being as man to exist only for a day. No, no. Man was made for immortality. Abraham Lincoln. Uh, Another place here. This one, you know, this is also, uh, would not agree with this guy in many things, but I would probably agree with this. It says, unless you assume a God, the question of life's purpose is meaningless. Bertrand Russell. Um, The idea is that without God... What is the purpose? Where do you find purpose? Well, ultimately you really don't. And um, I just want to start things off this morning um, by, we'll look at our points here, but um, there's a verse we'll get to. There we go. We'll get to that one here. But, you know, three things, three ways the gospel gives us purpose. One, and in some ways this is a little bit what John talked about last week. It connects, the gospel connects us with our Heavenly Father. Ultimately the gospel connects us with our Creator. And, and how else are we to find out what we are made for than to, to go to the one who made us? And, you know, I think that something that, to chew on here is that really um, people will find or at least search for purpose in two major places. One is eventually they'll go, um, well, how can I find my purpose but figuring out who made me? And they'll go to God. They'll go to the Creator to figure out what they were created for. The other thing that people do is spend their lives searching for purpose within the creation. They'll find something in the world around them and they go, this is a cause worth living for, giving my life for. And and you pick the cause. There's a lot of good causes in creation. In some ways, family, just your biological family is a great cause. I just want to live for my kids or my family, uh, you know, my relatives or whatever. And that's that's a cause that people live for. You can look at other causes like within... uh, you know, the, the environment. You could get out there and obviously all these movies, even the kid movies, it's kind of interesting, all these fun movies, um, Happy Feet, Happy Feet 2, some of these great movies, a lot of them tie in this, let's save the planet, let's save the glaciers, let's save the penguins, let's save something. And again, you can find a cause 
that is in this creation. Some people will say, you know, if you really believe there's no God and we just kind of randomly have evolved out of nothing and we're headed nowhere, you know, you can, again, find purpose in the creation. It's whatever purpose you want it to be. And you may decide there is no purpose. And you carry that out. Um, just a verse on this you can read if you, if you want to read with me. Here's Romans, uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 19. And I think that this kind of, uh, it hits on this idea that you will ultimately um, worship, you'll ultimately serve the purpose of one of, of two things here. Let's see, Romans 1. Uh, we'll start even 18 here. Just read this paragraph. Um, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and, and godlessness and wickedness of men who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. For although they knew God, they neither glorified Him as God nor gave thanks to Him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Um, although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like mortal man and birds and reptiles, uh, animals and reptiles. Um, therefore God gave them over to the sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity, for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. You know, and ultimately, we will either connect with our Creator or we'll find something in the creation that we will worship, that we will serve, that we will carry out the purpose of. And, and my question for you this morning is, is, what do you see your purpose? Is who are you living for? This verse here, as, uh, as I think how it relates to the good news, um, we talked about this uh, when it was on new life, but it's, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Everything we're talking about in the good news is from God. The forgiveness, the new life, the freedom, the family, and the purpose. It is all from God as a free gift. Again, that is part of the, the, the good news. And... Um, but God has reconciled us to Himself through Christ. You know, again, one of the first ways, and we'll just move on from here, but um, ah, the good news gives us purpose because it connects us with our Creator. And, and where else do we find our purpose but in Him? I love in the one-year Bible today, that uh, Ephesians 2.10, it talks about uh, we are all God's workmanship, created in advance, uh, created in Christ Jesus well, I'm blowing the verse on that, but uh, we'll look it up real quick right here. Um, so it says this, Ephesians 2.10, For we are all God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You know, in some ways, to not connect with your Creator, I was trying to think of uh, some, uh, some analogy or picture of that. I think of, uh, imagine an old laptop that... Um, is just sitting around, not able to get on the internet, not able to connect to Facebook. What is the purpose of a, an old laptop? If imagine you haven't even downloaded any cool software to, you know, no Angry Birds to play on your laptop, anything like that. Um, what what would be the purpose of a laptop like that? I mean, what could you use it for? You know, 
So you know how you can use it, you can use it for Microsoft Word. You could probably do some good old DOS programs on it. You could probably do um, use it for some word processing. But if it's not connected, it's kind of like I've got a few laptops that are unable to connect due to technology and hardware issues, um, and they make great paperweights. And, and they, you know, but um, but once a computer is able to connect to the internet, it opens up a whole world. And I think the same is true for people. You know, it, people are meant for so much more than, than they realize. And if someone is not connected with their creator, it's kind of like you do as much as you can here, but probably make a really good paperweight in this world when you're intended for so much more. Some people think, I don't believe in a creator. I'm just going to go back to dust. Again, you know, the comparison is the difference between a paperweight or something you can try to figure out some use for as compared to eternity and connecting with our Creator. And, and so we want to just make sure we're connected there. Let's see what else we got here. Created for His glory. You know, God, anything in creation carries out its purpose. It glorifies God. You know, when we look at what we were created for as human beings, we find that um, God has created us for loving relationship. You know, the great commandment is, is love God with everything and love your neighbor as yourself. The new commandment, Jesus Gave John talked about that last week, but the new commandment again ties back into love, love one another as we saw how he loved us, and so we're created for loving relationships. One of the ways the gospel gives us purpose is to connect with our Creator. Now, another thing that the the gospel does here is um, it allows us to um, well, let's just read this verse: God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making His appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, get reconciled with God. You know, if, if getting connected is the ultimate place to find purpose, getting right with God, well then don't you think that the next greatest thing you could do is, is help others? to get right with God. We go, oh, everything that I have in my relationship with God through Christ, it makes life worth living. It makes sense. It gives me purpose. It gives me new life. It inspires me. Why would I, want, why would I not want someone else to have that? If I think that's the most important thing that someone could ever do is connect with God, then it seems like a, to help others have that same thing is, would be a good thing as well. And so... Um, to connect others. And, and, you know, the other thing we think about, in some ways you go, well, to be connected or not, to see that, wow, you're going to be useful, have this really cool, meant for more sort of experience, or you're not connected. Ah, oh, that's boring, that's bad, whatever. But the other part of the gospel is that it's not only to be not connected, but if you are not reconciled with your Creator, your Creator has made you and I for a loving relationship. Even uh, it is fitting for us to worship our Creator. And if you find yourself just kind of carrying on with your own business, um, ultimately you find yourself in a camp that is not loving your Creator. Maybe you're denying your Creator. Maybe you're worshiping yourself, worshiping something that God made instead of worshiping Him. And ultimately... Uh, it's not just about being disconnected, which in some ways, you know, hell is being disconnected with God from forever. But it's also tied into punishment. To sin against our Creator, it, it carries a punishment with it. And so it's not just we miss out on the benefit of being connected. We also gain a punishment for deliberately being disconnected for our entire lives. And, and we've been given a, a, a ministry, a, a purpose to reconcile others to their Creator before it's too late. And I love that, that you know, it just says that God wants to make a, an appeal 
through you to those who are not connected with him yet, to those who are under his death sentence right now. And he wants to make his appeal through you. And I don't know when the last time you let him do that, but when God, when you sense God's Spirit filling you, speaking through you to another person, I feel like there's nothing else like it on this planet, nothing else. And, um, and, and I'm talking about a lot of different areas here, but when God uses you, to communicate His love, His forgiveness, His grace, His good news through you. It's like you, you just get a sense that that's what I was meant for. And um, I hope you've had that sense. And if not, I hope you see God to, to have that uh, purpose carried out in reaching others. But the one thing we have to watch for here, um, you know, Paul says this. He, he views that, hey, we're, we're to be ambassadors. God has placed me here to, to not only be connected, to, to figure out who I am and who He's made me to be, but to help others get connected. Um, you know, the disciples saw themselves as this under the same idea. Hey, we need to go uh, help others get connected. I think in Acts, Acts 1 2, um, just quote from this real quick. Um, it's where, the, let's see here. Sorry, I should have this page marked. Acts 1. Until, so it says, you know, this is the beginning of Acts. And in my former book, I wrote about all the things that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. Those first disciples saw themselves as having been given instructions. You know, the NAS uses the, the more literal word that it uses there. Is they, they saw that they had been given orders. Uh, Acts 10. And what is that, Acts 10.42 here? The same idea. It says, um, He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that He is the one whom God appointed as the judge of the living and the dead. And all prophets testify about Him, that everyone who believes in Him receives forgiveness of sins through His name. Again, the NAS uses the word, He ordered us. Paul saw his purpose as being an ambassador to help connect people with their Creator. The disciples saw themselves as under orders to connect people with their Creator through what Jesus did on the cross. And um, So sometimes we can go, well, it's good to be connected with God. And in that, we find out our purpose. We find what we are made for. He can flow through us in unique ways that He can flow through no other person besides us and how He's made us, you know, and, and to connect others with God. And we go, that's a good thing. You know, they're lost. They'll be separated forever. They're going to be punished. That's a good purpose. But, you know, I think an even greater reason for us to uh, take on this as our purpose is because it's not just that there's great benefits to be connected with God, that uh, others are lost and they really need Him. They just don't know what they're missing. You know, one of the greatest reasons, and if you only had one reason to take on the gospel as your purpose, the Great Commission as your purpose, is because... Uh, um, ultimately, it's, it's something that God commanded to be brought about. You know, some ways we go, it's good. They don't know what they're missing. Boy, they have all these needs. I just have compassion for them. You know, our purpose goes beyond someone else's needs, what would benefit someone else. Our purpose is that we are under orders by our Creator to carry out this mission. And I don't know if you get a sense of that or not in your life, but I really think the people that were hanging with Jesus completely got that sense. So much so that they died as they were trying to carry out their purpose, this mission of taking the good news to everyone everywhere. And that's something that I hope might challenge our thinking a little bit here. Um, Jesus said this, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. 
He said, therefore, you know, at one point he said, all authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. You know, he, he already had said that earlier, but the resurrection kind of was another exclamation point on the proof that he really did have all authority in heaven and on earth as God, in the flesh as one with God, God the Son. And therefore, he said, now that you know I have all authority, here's what I want you to do. And he said, go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the end of the age. And so um, he, he gave them these orders. You know, one thing to, you may or may not know, you probably know that uh, these orders that Jesus gave, there was one central message he had after the resurrection. Before, before Jesus went to the cross and rose again, you know, you could say there's a lot of different things. He told them, you know, the disciples how to, um, how to love. He taught them how to love. He taught them how to, um, you know, prioritize God over money and over other things. There were so many teachings that Jesus gave them. But, you know, after the resurrection, Jesus came back with one central instruction. One central set of commands that commands is, the set of commands is known as the great commission now that phrase is never used uh, in the in the New Testament I, I we're reading a book recently you know, as pastors and with a couple of leaders but uh, a couple of times the guy the author says you know and the so-called great commission and I want to take offense and I'm like so-called great commission well it never actually says the great commission in the Bible it is the fact that um, it is a great commission and it is the commands that Jesus gave us but one thing I remember once I was at a conference a college conference I was in the great commission the association of churches I was on the mission of the great commission and trying to carry out the great commandment but I remember a speaker saying um do you know what the verses are that make up the Great Commission? You know, it's one central message in all the Gospels after the resurrection and in the book of Acts. And, and he asked, how many of you know the verses? Uh, even by heart, I think, was the question. And, you know, I was very convicted by There were a couple Gospels that I had no clue where they referred to the Great Commission. And the ones that I did know, I was so familiar with that I couldn't tell you what they actually said. And, uh, unfortunately, I feel like that might represent more of us in the firehouse church then than it should. We we can regurgitate these verses if we see them on a screen or something like that. Most of us know Mark, okay, go in all the world, take the gospel, something, something. Um, it makes disciples, Father, Son, Spirit, Holy Spirit, something. Um, we can kind of refer to that. But where where is the Great Commission referred to, say, in uh, the Gospel of John? That's what I was afraid of, uh, but uh, that's I've been there, done that. John twenty twenty one, and Jesus said, "Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you." After Jesus rose from the dead, he's with his disciples after the resurrection, and he says, "Chill out, relax. It's me." Um, and now, just as I've been was sent, I am now sending you. I've got a mission for you to carry out. Um, as a part of that, Luke. Anyone know where you might find that mission in Luke? I hope you're not trying to get on the internet and Google that. Um, just joking. You could do that if you want. Well, Luke uh, 24 and 47 is the verse I usually remember, but there's a, a couple of them together here. But it says this, uh, starting 46. And he told them, this is what is written, that Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness for sins will be preached in his name, beginning at Jerusalem. And so...
So um, again, the idea that repentance and forgiveness is going to be preached in the name of Jesus Christ to bring about the forgiveness of sins, and it's going to start right here in our own backyard. He told them. And so, and then we know the other ones, Acts 1.8, you'll be my witnesses, or you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. In Jerusalem, in some, Jerusalem and all Judea, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. In Judea and all Samaria and to the ends of the earth, you know. And so, um, but uh, maybe I need to freshen up my memory on these as well. But I think, I think we all do. Um, one of the reasons, I, I just wanted to do a quick review of why it's called the Great Commission. Um, so here's the verses there. Some of them uh, that we just talked about. But the Great Commission... Do I have another point? Okay. So a few reasons. I just want to do a quick uh, recap of why. You know, somehow we've asked what makes the good news so good. And the Great Commission, I think you have to ask on occasion, what makes, what's so great about the Great Commission? A couple things I want to say is that one is the scope of the mission. The scope of the mission is, you know, even 20, 21 centuries ago when it was given, uh, over 20 centuries ago, the scope was basically, you know, the the Living Bible says, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone everywhere. The scope is everyone everywhere. It's a worldwide mission. Some missions, you know, want to help Africa. Some missions want to help China. Some missions want to do uh, for men and some are for women. But the Great Commission, the scope was every soul that ever lives on this planet is to hear the good news. Well, that's a pretty great mission if you ask me. Another thing that makes it so great is um, it's the territory that this mission is, is supposed to reach. You know, it says repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in His name. You know, um, the mission is, it's not like some missions, you know, if you got like, a, say, Hitler in, in World War II, you just want to take over the world. Well, okay, either get people to submit, yield, and join in your mission, or you get rid of them. You kill them, you destroy them. In some ways, that's, that's not too hard of a mission, because it's either you join in or be annihilated. You decide, you know, and a lot of people are like, oh, I guess we're going to be with you. Um, but our mission, we can't do that. You know, some religious missions, they go, hey, join us or die. Um, and uh, and that's, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, you know, we, uh, we don't get to destroy people who don't believe like we believe. We get to love them. We get to lay down our lives for them. The territory we're trying to win in this great mission is the heart of, of men. It's the hardest fought territory on the planet. The hearts and souls of men and women. And to bring a heart to connect with their Creator, oh, that's so much harder than saying, ah, you don't believe what I believe? Well, I blow a bomb and I blow you up and I'll just take you out. No, we don't get to take them out. We get to try for their heart again and again. And they might even try to kill us while we're going for their heart with this good news that will change their lives. It's a great mission. Another thing that makes it a great mission is we've got um, the greatest enemy that's ever opposed any mission in the world. We've got the devil of hell that is trying to prevent this mission. Some of you know um, this verse. uh, In Revelation, it talks about the devil. It just says, But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury because he knows his time is short. You know, earlier it says he accuses our, our brothers. Um, the accuser of our brothers accuses them day and night. He's been hurled down. You know, the devil of hell wants to prevent us from carrying out this mission. There's some other missions. Some would make the case the devil of hell has helped a few people try to carry out their mission. Some would say Hitler and others that, that did uh, brought about mass destruction, uh, a death of people's lives, that some of them would say he was probably possessed. Some would even say he was probably satanically possessed 
the mission we're on, the devil of hell does not want you to take the good news to anyone. The devil of hell does not want you to connect with God through the grace of Jesus Christ. He wants to keep you busy. He wants to keep you distracted. He wants to do whatever it takes to make sure you're not on that mission. No mission has had a greater enemy. No mission has had a a greater um, territory they're trying to win. No mission has had a greater scope. The last thing is no mission that this planet has ever known has come from Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, the Creator. You know, one of the things I've been wrestling with here recently is that, do you know, according to the Scriptures, that Jesus is our Creator? Sometimes the Creator, I think of God the Father. You know, we think of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Spirit. Um, The Scriptures say, uh, John 1.1 says that, Through Him all things were made. Apart from Him nothing was made that has been made. And it goes on to say, And He became flesh and dwelt among us. You know, our Creator has given us a purpose. And when He left this, before He left this planet and after the resurrection, He gave one mission. To take the good news to everyone, everywhere. Make disciples of everyone who receives it. Do it in the power of the Spirit. Um, take ownership of the mission just as He did from His Father. And He sent us. Again, and it's, there's, there's no greater mission that this world has been given him. I think the last part I want to end with just on this is um, he also says, I think one of the maybe most overlooked and yet maybe the most important part of this, this Matthew 28, 19 and 20 is that Jesus says, um, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. It's a great mission. God himself has commanded us to take on this mission and Jesus says, and by the way, I'm with you. I'm going on this mission with you. And that's a, I think that's a profound thing. What I've found right now, we're, we're kind of entering a journey as pastors with a couple key leaders in the church where we're searching out what is the mission of the Firehouse Church. And set aside what we think we're supposed to be doing and what we came to town to do and what's on our plate right now. Um, we feel like in a fresh way, Jesus... Uh, whose church this is, we want to connect with them and figure out what in the world do you want us to do in this neighborhood where you have planted us with these people that you've given us, with the places that we live, what do you want us to do? And, and I know for me with the Great Commission, sometimes I can focus on the mission. I go like, okay, there's this verse, this verse, this verse. We've got to go figure out, okay, how do we, uh, what is the good news and, and how do we proclaim it? And what are disciples and how do we make them? And it's so easy for me to get focused on the mission and it's still hard to carry it out. But I think the real thing is, um, I was just even praying about this yesterday up in Estes Park, just taking a prayer walk, and I felt like I was reflecting. And I feel like sometimes for me it comes down to, a, Jesus, I want to do a good thing for you. I know the mission, and I want to go do something good for you related to this mission. And I felt like he reminded me and reminds me again and again that um, it's not about you doing a good thing for me, Rich. I want to do a great thing with you. With you, I want to do a great thing. Not just you, you look at these verses and go, Oh, I'm picking to do this one. Now I'm going to go do this. I'm focused. I'm in a zone. Jesus says, I've given you this mission and I'm coming with you. Let's go get it done. But sometimes we can lose focus. We can focus so much on the mission that we forget the guy that gave us the mission. Sometimes we can get so focused in this crazy, busy world. If you look at your to-do list from last week or this upcoming week, you might not find Jesus on it anywhere. There's so many responsibilities, so many things we've got to do. And I think it's time for us to maybe reevaluate. A couple of questions just to think, think of are, um, are, you living, are you living on purpose? 
Are you living on purpose? Are you just kind of doing whatever the next thing is, blown by the winds of, of needs and feelings and our popular culture? What are you living for? And is it on purpose? Have you connected with your Creator yet? And if you haven't, what's stopping you? Why not? And if you have connected with your Creator through Jesus Christ, which many of us have, I've got to ask the question of, this question haunts me. Whenever I hear it, I know Bill Young, I heard it first from him, but the question he asks is, is what you're living for right now, is what's on your to-do list, is what's burdening your heart, is what you're living for worth what Jesus Christ died for? He gave His blood to carry out a mission. And He asked His followers, Hey, if you're coming with me, here's where we're going to go. It's what you're living for worth what He died for. And I think we need to wrestle with that. As pastors, we're kind of wrestling with our part of the Great Commission Association where we want to reach the world. And then what in the world does that mean for us right here in the Firehouse Church? We're on a journey that I feel like is kind of rattling us to the core. We're going to be seeking God together on this. Next week I'm going to share more with you about this, this journey that I feel like God started uh, with us and kind of bring you up to date on, on some of the things we've been wrestling with and really in trying to answer the question, now what? You landed us here with a great building and a great neighborhood and, and now what? But let's pray and call it a, call it a morning here. Well, Lord Jesus, um, God, I know I need your help to figure this out. I know you've given us a purpose of connecting people with you, of reconciling them with you, of, of sharing the good news that our sins have been dealt with. And as a free, gracious gift, you've given us a relationship and righteousness and a new family and a new purpose in exchange. And God, I just pray you'd help every person here to be living on purpose on the purpose You've given us. God, if we call ourselves Christians and Christ followers, I pray that You help us to take time to slow down and connect with the Christ and figure out if the next thing on our to-do list is really what You want to do or just another good thing and a list of a whole bunch of good things. Lord, you've, You've meant us to live for more. You've given us a great mission. You are a great and awesome God. Help us to be walking in step with You. Help us to take hold of the promise that you say I am with you always I'm with you right now let's go we just pray for your grace your help in all of this in Jesus name Amen Amen thanks for coming today you guys and I do hope to catch you next week as we tackle that question now what